Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Less than three years after he retired, legendary quarterback Brett Favre has become one of the most high-profile players to acknowledge that he's experienced health problems stemming from repeated concussions in the NFL. KUED and the Brain Injury Alliance of Utah are hosting a screening and panel discussion of the frontline documentary League of Denial, the NFL's concussion crisis. That will be taking place at the Salt Lake City Main Library uh, this evening at 7 o'clock. And today on the program, we're going to bring this issue home to Utah. Several of the panelists will be involved uh, tonight, including representatives from Utah High School Activities Association, Brain Injury Alliance of Utah, and Salt Lake County Health Department. We're going to be asking you, is head injury just a risk we have to accept uh, to play this uh, culturally and popular uh, sport uh, football? What do you think should be done to improve player safety in high school and college sports? And are you or a loved one dealing with problems caused by concussion or concussion, rather, or brain injury? We'd appreciate hearing your story. You can post to our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. You can email us at upraxcess at gmail.com. Or you can call us at 1-800-826-1495. We welcome in right now Ron Roscos, Executive Director of the Brain Injury Alliance of Utah. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Appreciate you having me on. So um, the screening, you're, you're teaming up with KUED to, to screen, have a panel discussion. What's the goal this evening? Well, one of the things that we want to do is to get across to the, the community and the public uh, the many risks that we, we find in uh, contact sports. Uh, we're looking at football for this screening, but it's also in many of the other sports where there is contact. Um, uh, we're looking at so many individuals that are receiving concussions, uh, maybe we, many of the audience had watched uh, either BYU or Utah or Utah State this past weekend and, and seen players leave the field because of concussions or suspect of a concussion. And the sad part of it is that this uh, is one game, but uh, when you have repetitive concussions, it can cause lasting uh, problems, uh, memory, uh, many other things that may keep them out of the, uh, the game forever or it may keep them from scholastically uh, advancing. So we want the public to be aware of this. Uh, we want them to know that this is real. It's not something that, you know, like the, the uh, uh, announcers say he got his bell rung or, you know, he's seeing butterflies and he'll shake it off and be back. It's, it's more than just that. So oh. that's part of the reason why we want this to be shown. We bring in now uh, Bart Thompson, Assistant Director of Utah High School Activities Association. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Uh, so uh, nationally, the rate of, and I'm reading from an article in the uh, Standard Examiner, in which you're quoted, nationally the rate of reported football concussions has increased. According to the Center for Injury Research and Policy, players nationwide were estimated to have suffered more than 153,000 concussions last season, up from 59,000 in 2006. But you are quoted as saying that's uh, perhaps uh, more due to better reporting. Uh, it's been my experience. Um, there's been a great deal of attention on concussions uh, over the last two years especially. And I think what we're getting is is people, just like the previous guest said, uh, understanding how uh, serious this is and people understanding that it's not just butterflies or it's not just a getting your bell rung, but that this is serious. And so we're seeing a lot more reporting. So is a, a sport like football, mm -hmm. um, if we this is a hypothetical question, but if we were to ever come to a point where we thought this is it's just too much, too many concussions, we've changed the rules, we've tried everything we can, I don't think you could eliminate football, could you? It's, it's so ingrained in the culture. 
difficult thing. Um, obviously, uh, there has to be a, a risk versus reward, you know, analysis for every single person that's going to participate uh, to decide if, if that's something that they want to do. But uh, certainly, it's of great concern at this time. Ron Roscos, what uh, are there changes that you would like to see in a in a sport like uh, football to make it safer? No, I think we look got to look at the equipment, but we also got to look at uh, the players are becoming bigger and faster, and uh, you know we're taking some mighty hits, and I think there needs to be uh, an education from from parents to coaches to athletic directors to to schools, if it be high school, college, or wherever it be. But I think there's really not as much training and uh, bringing that that point out. But I think we need to be out there. We are out there now, but I think we need to be out there more. And I think there needs to be some precedence as far as what we do, you know, with with our legislation. If there is anything, I know that we're taking a lot of great steps with youth concussion sports legislation that we got through. But uh, I think we really need to educate the public that this is a dangerous sport, and uh, we need to find ways that we can actually make somewhat safer than it is. And uh, speaking of legislation, Representative Paul Ray, a Republican from uh, Clearfield, I think is sponsoring a, a bill on, on concussions. He did, yes. Uh, back in 2011, there was a youth concussion sports, and it actually, uh, we if somebody has a, a, a what we may see as a concussion, that individual would be taken out of the game and diagnosed on the sidelines by a provider or physician that uh, is assigned to uh, to be there at that game. And if they see that this person may have suffered a concussion, they will be pulled out of the game, and then that individual has to get a, a doctor's release to be able to go back in the game. And I think that's a huge step. Bart Thompson, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about, I, I, I've been reading, Utah High School Activity Association reviews these sorts of things every year. What 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 are the things that are being implemented here? Um, actually, our policy was kind of the model for Representative Ray's bill uh, a couple years ago, and uh, the thing that became clear is that kids could not could not go back into to competition or practice uh, on the day that they were suspected of having a concussion. That needed to be looked at. They needed to make sure that they had medical clearance to be able to return. Um, we were seeing some kids that even had lost consciousness going back in the same day. We certainly wanted to address that and make sure that when they do come back, it's safe for them to do so. Hmm. Now that's, uh, and I guess this is, has to be a cultural change, right? Because football is a macho sport, and the, these are young men sort of testing their manhood, right? And, the, and, and so we get out in the game, your instincts take over, uh, training has to, coaching has to change maybe? So, and I think it has done to a great extent. Um, but uh, I don't know that we're ever going to be perfect in it. But certainly I think we can make strides and we can become better at uh, training and, and getting the head out of the game. Um, as you, you know, look at different techniques, um, the helmet has become to a certain extent a weapon. And uh, the training on the sideline and in coaching um, has got to eliminate that uh, aspect of the game. Let's bring in uh, Kevin Condra, who's uh, Salt Lake County Health Department Injury Prevention Program Manager. Welcome to the program. Uh, do we have you on the line, uh, Kevin Condra? Looks like we'll we'll have a little bit of trouble here. We'll we'll get you on just a little bit later. Um, do we do we have you on, Kevin Condra? I'm here. 
Okay. Uh, give me your thoughts on, on this. What, what sorts of problems are you seeing that you'd like to, to have addressed? Well, I, ironically, this is a, uh, something I'm interested in both professionally as well as personally. Professionally, um, it was mentioned when the legislation passed two years ago, we were very anxious to get information out to parents who, uh, not only the high school group, but even the little ones in Little League, alerting them about head injuries. Um, and we were able to do so, and we continue to do so today. The ironic part of it is my little boy is five weeks into a concussion from Little League football, and so I know very well firsthand now about the importance of what this piece was about and what parents still need to learn. Uh, so uh, is this something, of course, you, as a parent, obviously you allowed your, your, parent, your uh, child to play in, in youth you know, young, uh, at a young age. Is, what are your thoughts about that? Well, we had a conversation with him before he ever started. That if there was a risk inherent with the sport, and if this occurred, that he would be out for the season. Mom and Dad agreed to that. He didn't necessarily agree, but uh, when it happened, he understood that conversation we'd had. Um, what's unfortunate, though, however, the experience that we've had is there's still a lot of education that needs to be done on both coaches at that Little League because those high school athletes, they start at ages 9 and 10 when we're talking about football. And there still needs to be a lot of education done with those organized sports at a very young age. Let's bring in uh, Representative uh, Paul Ray. We've been uh, Representative Ray, welcome to the program. Thank you. Great to be on. And we've, we've just been um, talking about the, the, your bill. Tell us, first of all, what to, about that bill, and then I'll ask you another couple of questions. Well, the, the bill came to me. Uh, my, my background is, is I actually went to Indiana University, studied sports medicine, never worked as a trainer, I went into business right after that, but had a, had a background in it. And uh, Lisa Walker, who was uh, with the Utah Athletic Trainers Association, came up to me the year prior to having it passed and said, we have a problem with concussions. And we kind of went through the issue, and, and that's where we kind of decided, you know, the best thing to do is, number one, is require the education for the parents, the coaches, and so forth, and then kind of set some guidelines on what the requirements are. Uh, if there is, is a head injury or, or a, a concussion, that uh, we, we have some guidelines on what needs to be done. And so that was the direction that we took with the legislation. And, and what are your thoughts? How, how young should there be a, a limit, uh, an age requirement to, to, to get into football? It seems like a lot of players get into it pretty young. You know, I... I... I really think that that's that's really between the parent and the player. Uh, some you know some players mature earlier, some are just bigger than others, and I, I think that's a decision that the government doesn't need to make. But I think a parent and a child, you know, just, just like you said, to have that discussion. You know, we're going to lay it out. Here's the here's the rules. I grew up in Indiana. Back there, there's no contact football until you hit junior high. It's flag football through the elementary ages, and then when you hit junior high is when you can first go with your your contact uh, tackle football. So, but I think it's something that the, the, the individual parents and the, need to make the decision on. And some places it would be harder to institute rules than others. I, I could imagine in Texas, for example, you'd have a tr- trouble <laughs> instituting any of these rules. <laughs> do they start like what a two years old? Yeah, in Texas I think they. Football? I think they do. Yeah. yeah who knows? Uh, by the way, if you just joined us, we're talking about uh, concussions, head injuries in contact sports, and specifically here in Utah and in in high school and uh, college, and, and we've, we've taken it to the younger ages as well. Uh, there's going to be a screening and a panel discussion on the Frontline documentary League of Denial, the NFL's concussion crisis. That's being sponsored by KUED and the Brain Injury Alliance of Utah. 
and that'll be happening at the Salt Lake City Main Library uh, this evening at 7 o'clock. We have several of those panelists on with us to talk about the problem today and uh, possible solutions. We're asking you, uh, have you or, is you or a loved one, uh, are you or a loved one uh, dealing with uh, problems caused by concussion or uh, head injuries? What do you think should be done to improve player safety in high school and college sports? And have you been involved in those discussions about whether or not to play and whether or not to play after an injury uh, such as this? We're going to take a brief break. When we come back, we'll continue our discussion with Bart Thompson, Assistant Director of Utah High School Activity Association, Kevin Condra, Salt Lake County Health Department Injury Prevention Program Manager, Ron Roscos, Executive Director of the Brain Injury Alliance of Utah, and Paul Ray, a Republican representative from uh, Clearfield. And we'll be hearing from uh, Steve Young, who's quoted in this Frontline uh, documentary. More following the break. On From the Top, we don't just put young people on the show to hear their incredible musical performances. We celebrate the whole kid. We're all members of the Vermont Astronomical Society, and uh, we've also gotten really into building telescopes. I run cross-country, and I run track. Well, I'll eat anything as long as it's not looking at me, as, and as long as it's not moving around. I believe the correct term is math stud. Join me, Christopher O'Reilly, to meet America's most outstanding young musicians on From the Top, each week from NPR. Friday afternoons at 2, repeated Sunday nights at 9 on Utah Public Radio. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and the Archway Inn in Moab, Utah, offering lodging between the Red Rock Cliffs and Buttes of the Colorado River. Two miles from Arches National Park and 30 minutes from Dead Horse Point and Canyonlands National Park. Information at archwayinn.com. And by Elon Magazine, a bi-monthly expression, artistic celebration of inspirational stories from extraordinary women, defining the Southwest lifestyle through culture, art, and adventure. Information at elonwoman.com. You're listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're talking about concussions and head injuries in contact sports. Of course, this has been much in the news lately with a frontline documentary, League of Denial, the NFL's concussion crisis. We've heard such tragic stories as Mike Webster's, one of the best centers in the NFL, who uh, died. And uh, after his death, uh, he was uh, diagnosed with uh, uh, chronic uh, traumatic encephalopathy. We've been hearing a lot about that. We'll talk about that a little later as well. But uh, is it safe to play contact sports? And what could be done to make it safer? What should be done? We'd love to hear your story if you or a loved one is dealing with problems caused by concussion or head injury in uh, in sports or, or whatever may have occasioned that. The way to reach us is upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. You can join us on the phone as well, 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. Or you can reach us on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. There's a screening of that frontline documentary, League of Denial, tonight and a panel discussion after the, the documentary. That'll be happening in the Salt Lake City Main Library. Sponsored by KUED and the Brain Injury Alliance of Utah, 7 o'clock, Salt Lake City uh, Main Library. We have with us Bart Thompson, Assistant Director of Utah High School Activity Association, Kevin Condra with the Salt Lake County Health Department, Ron Roscos, Executive Director of the Brain Injury Alliance of Utah, and Representative Paul Ray, Republican from Clearfield, who sponsored a bill on, on this uh, subject a couple of years ago. Uh, let's hear, uh, gentlemen, hope you can, hopefully you can hear this down the phone line. We're going to play uh, just a couple of minutes from Steve Young, of course, a BYU quarterback, San Francisco 49ers quarterback, played 18 years in the in the NFL. 
and um, he, he's uh, responding to a question about Mike Webster and the dangers of playing in the NFL. Uh, here are his thoughts. Just I played 18 seasons. That's a lot. I mean, there's some that played more. Brett Favre, I think, played a couple more. But there's, few, there's a few guys that played more, but not many. Played a long time. And so I, can, I feel like I can speak to this um, uh, with, with, you know, at least a lot of experience. The thing I most fear, and this is now 13 years post, and looking at what's happened and kind of taking it in its, in its holistic view, the thing I fear most for players in football is what they're calling the micro-concussions, these things that happen daily, these, you know, the things that you don't even necessarily notice, practices, games, you know, linemen, running backs, linebackers, just the nature of the game, not violent hits, because I mean, those make ESPN, those are the ones that are really scary, you really can get hurt, we recognize that. Um, and those are the ones that get the most attention, now they've got all this uh, uh, reviews and neurologists on the sidelines for those hits. Um, and I think they're probably going to get to a place where they can get as much uh, alignment with assumption of the risk and true reality of the game, that'll come, and I think it's coming quickly. The thing that I worry most about for, for linemen, especially, you talk about centers of Mike Webster, the, and that's the stuff that you're seeing come out of the, uh, the guys that uh, want their brains to be studied and, you know, uh, and that's the, nef you talk about a nefarious injury, one that you never feel until it's too late. So that's the that's just as I look back over 30 years of, of uh, associated with football. That's the thing that's most alarming to me. And that's uh, from the Frontline documentary uh, uh, League of Denial. Uh, Steve Young, uh, of course, uh, quarterback for San Francisco 49ers and, and Brigham Young University, played 18 years in the NFL. He seems to at least point to, to be doing doing well. But uh, Ron Roscos, he calls this a, a nefarious injury. You, you, you don't know about it until it's too late. He's talking about chronic traumatic encephalopathy. But he's also worried about the concussions perhaps you didn't even know about. You know, and that's, that's that continuous, uh, like he was saying, in practices. And, you know, you're trying to beat out the other player to, to, to get a roster spot. And I think where we see where it happens is in games. But there is also those incidents in practice and, and on the on the field uh, prior to a game uh, you know the the multiple concussions that once you've had a, a brain injury a concussion is a brain injury no no other way to cut that than just to say what it is but once you've had a brain injury you have a three time greater risk of having a second and an eight time greater risk of having a, a third and not only do you have stuff like uh, loss of memory you can have uh, you know, you can have uh, vision problems. You can have a uh, multitude of things that could go wrong with, uh, you know, we look at some of the, the, the kids in school, and, uh, you know, they're straight-A students. They're doing really well, and then all of a sudden they've had this incident happen in their life, and all of a sudden you can see the changes, and we're, we're seeing students that are going from being straight-A students to really having a struggle even to get through school. So... When we look at uh, the number of concussions you have and uh, the impact, you know, there, there is, it's a real issue out there. Kevin Condra with the uh, Salt Lake uh, County Health Department. W what are you seeing on, on this level? Maybe talk to this as well. Sure. Uh, you know, it was interesting. Ron mentioned that uh, those injuries can take place not only in uh, 
during the game, but in practice. I mentioned my little boy. It was during practice where he got his. And uh, I guess that, you know, from if you think about it, I mean, these things are truly preventable. Um, it starts with proper technique, which is my concern for at least the, the young ones at eight, nine years of age. And either with a discussion earlier, I believe in Texas, I heard it was six years of age where these kids are playing football. I can't imagine. <laughs> um, so proper technique is crucial. But, you know, having seen what he's went through the last five weeks, um, still experiencing headaches, still experiencing bouts of dizziness, and sensitivity to even fluorescent lights has only gotten better in the last two weeks. I'm not so sure that uh, there isn't an age that we ought to say, hey, there's no play for these little ones where their brains are still developing until much older. Um, because I, I, too, am concerned about the micro-concussions. This is his second year. He plays line right in the middle of it. Hmm. Now, would you, if this happened again, for example, and let's hope it doesn't, obviously, would there be a point where you'd tell your boy, boy, I just don't want you playing football? Well, that was the discussion we'd had with him prior to uh, registering this. We had the same discussion with my boy three years ago that played for one year. Um, if there was a head injury of any type during that year, because of the risk, like Ron had mentioned, of subsequent injuries, that we were done. It was not a risk that we were going to take. He's a developing young man, and, and both my boys were, and that was not something we were going to do. Um, we're still having a discussion in the off season about whether he'll continue to play next year, given what we've experienced this year. Baseball's his second favorite sport. But uh, that's a discussion we'll continue to have, and and um, we'll look at this next year. Representative Ray, you, you've said you don't want government getting involved here. That's understandable. But, uh, uh, you know, it, uh, perhaps it worked back in Indiana. You know, and, and that, that was actually all based on school uh, school district decisions. Oh, okay, um, I see. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, then I think that's the level you'd want to do it here is, is the school district. And I, I know we're talking football, but... There's a lot of kids that play soccer, and soccer has an even higher rate of concussions there. So it's it's an issue, and not just one sport. You know, they'd want to look at the, all the sports and make that determination. Uh, for instance, I matter of fact, Davis County here, we don't even have football in the schools in junior high. It doesn't even start till high school. Now, I think that might at the time have been more of a financial consideration, but you know, I, I just think of uh, you know the, the districts will have at some point to figure out the liability and whether they want to continue. Or and I know we have the cities that also have. Uh, the younger ones where you have the youth sports with the football. And I know here in Clinton, uh, it's big here. We have some great teams, but they start out really young. And I think it will be to the point that some of these local governments and districts may say, you know, I I think the liability is too big at this point, and we may want to second think what we're doing with football. And uh, as you point out, uh, you know, soccer, there can be concussions there. Uh, I was reading of a a wrestler who got a concussion, and then he had to decide whether – when football season rolled around, whether he was okay to, to play football. Uh, let me turn to Bart Thompson, Assistant Director of Utah High School Activity Association. There's something very interesting that Steve Young said in, in that clip. He, he said that uh, he thinks that the NFL is probably getting to a place where he calls it they're getting alignment between assumption of risk and true reality of the game. And mm-hmm. I guess that's, that's a leveling out that uh, on the high school level you're trying to get to. Uh, no question about it, and and uh, our national rules committees. Uh, I served on the uh, national sports medicine committee that deals with you know these kinds of issues all the time, and uh, that is the primary focus. And, and I really think high school kind of led the way in this regard um, uh, in terms of rules modification, um, in terms of awareness, in terms of requiring education for parents and players. Um, return to play protocols, all of those types of things. And uh, certainly uh, the priority 
uh, for high school football is the safety of the players. Um, the nature of the game is such that uh, there is risk, but uh, a lot of the hits that you saw on the League of Denial would, are illegal hits in high school, uh, especially where you know there's uh, leading with the head or helmet-to-helmet contact or those types of things are now illegal in high school and would be flagged, and we're seeing a lot less of that in the games. Um, there's talk right now, I don't know where it will go, but uh, there's talk right now of limiting uh, the number of contact practices during a week as well, and uh, uh, largely as a result of, of what we're seeing here with that you know constant bang, bang, bang that takes place in a practice or, or a game, that type of thing, to try to limit the amount of contact that takes place throughout a week and throughout a season. Do you, uh, do, you, do you worry in the, um, uh, you know, just the day-to-day practice and games, this worry that Steve Young had, the concussions that maybe you didn't even know about? Oh, no question. And, that, and that's why, you know, what I just said is, is on the table right now, you know, looking at, you know, limiting the number of practices in which contact can take place. Certainly you can go out and practice play timing and those types of things and, you know, pass timing and, you know, pass defense, things like that, but limiting the number of contacts that take place um, throughout a week. Now, uh, um, the, the NFL, I guess, it would, would have the money to have a neurologist on the sideline for every game. Mm-hmm. But, um, on a high school level, it probably don't have the money for that. No. <laughs> no, and that's why uh, coach education has been so important. And, and we've required coaches to do a, a concussion education course before they uh, deal with uh, student-athletes um, for the last, oh, it's been five or six years. Um, they have to have that before they can coach uh, so that they can identify um, signs, symptoms, behaviors of, of you know consistent with concussion and pull a kid out immediately when that happens and get them to uh, medical help. Hmm. Uh, Ron Roscoe, so, uh, as we're talking here, it's just a kind of a running theme in, in the background of my brain anyway. Um, if we're talking about sports where you can get concussions and repeated concussions and there's potential very serious problems, uh, why should we have those sports? And yet culturally, <laughs> you know, it's just very important to us. You know, I don't think that's ever going to go away. I think we enjoy the sport and I think they, the players also know when they strap on that helmet that there is that, that potential danger. But I think we've got to find ways to make it safer and uh, ways to for everybody to know and understand the consequences of this. Uh, we have two individuals that I know of that played football that are really going through a, a horrific time. And, and uh, you know, they were very popular. They were top of their class, and now they're just struggling. And they had one dropped out of high school and is having a horrible time even staying on the job. And it's all back to what had happened to him on the field. And uh, I know that everyone that's on this call knows the uh, importance, uh, the safety of of sports and the contact sports. But as far as probably doing away with it or finding ways, I don't think that'll happen. But we just got to find better ways to be safer and have these kids, no matter age or what level they're at, find ways to, to make it more safer for them. Let's bring in uh, now Ann Russo, who's a Ph.D., works in the Neurospecialty Clinic at the Orthopedic Specialty Hospital. Uh, she'll be involved in this uh, panel discussion. By the way, is, is happening. KUD and Brain Injury Alliance of Utah are hosting a screening and panel discussion of the Frontline Documentary League of Denial. That's at the Salt Lake City Main Library tonight, 7 o'clock. Ann Russo, welcome to the program. 
Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. And I understand you only have a few minutes, uh, so I'll, I'll uh, we'll keep it brief with with you. Um, as you're hearing about these problems in the NFL, and some of these would exist, I assume, in high school and college sports, and even younger as well, what what are your concerns? Especially, let's start with, uh, we're hearing these horrible stories, the Mike Webster story and others from the NFL, uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Yes, it, we're actually extremely concerned about this, as I think Ron just expressed. The, the nature of brain injury is such that at this point we have no cure for it. The only cure for brain injury is don't have one. And it's it's a challenge to figure out how to have people have the benefit of being engaged in these sports activities, which are so helpful for psychosocial development, for emotional development, understanding how to win and lose, understanding how to work well with other people. On the other hand, the risk factors associated with these repeat injuries are immense. And, you know, the documentary that's going to be shown tonight, which was, you know, I think it aired on October 8th and, and is available online if, you, if viewers can't come tonight, highlights the fact that, yes, we don't have complete total prevalence rates, but we do know that there are more people than should be who are getting hurt by these injuries, by these uh, by the sporting event, and the injuries are happening at a younger and younger age as kids play harder and harder, and also as people are larger and larger. Hmm. Hmm. So uh, you say the only way to, to not have problems associated with brain injury is not to have one. Uh, right. So I guess we're probably looking for treatments, but right now we don't, don't have treatments? We have treatments Treat. for the consequences of it, but you cannot cure a brain injury. You can't cure it. So once you've had a brain injury, um, that's essentially going to be with you the rest of your life. Hopefully in a, a manner that you can compensate for and make adjustments for, but the consequences are there. And the long-term risk factors, as the Mike Webster and now Brent Favre coming out this week, as well as other football players are showing us, you may not have symptoms initially, but the consequences may develop in later life. Yeah, that's that's why Steve Young calls it a nefarious injury because you, exactly. you, you you learn about it and it's too late. And Brett Favre, by the way, he says he can't remember an entire summer of his of his daughter's soccer, uh, and that's and this may be just the beginning of problems for him. Yes, and you know I think the argument that I sometimes hear is well, but I'll be making a lot of money, and so it won't matter. And I, I think that that documentary again highlights very nicely how you can make a lot of money, but without your brain to direct how that money is spent to help you regulate your behaviors, you may end up broke and homeless very easily. It's that brain that is the most important part of what makes us human. So what do you think? That, uh, imagine that you would advocate uh, strict measures. If you have a concussion, you know, you, you can't go right back in the game, obviously, or there should be length of time or uh, rules like that. I wonder what you would advocate. Well, fortunately, um, Representative Paul Ray will be joining us on the panel this evening talking about what we've done here in Utah for our youth athletes, so for um, 0 to 18. And he's with us uh, today as well. Oh, wonderful. Um, We do have House Bill 204, and I'm very, very grateful to this act because it allows me to work with our high schools here in the area and our athletic trainers so that... Uh, the kids have to be pulled out. They cannot be immediately placed back in the game. They have to be evaluated by medical providers, and they have to be symptom-free before they can return to any kind of physical activity. The Utah School uh, Athletics Association also has mandated a series of return-to-play steps that need to occur, which puts in another safeguard. Now, the good news, all of those things allow for us to ensure that people are more likely 
in a more healed state when they get back on the field, which may reduce the risk of repeat injury and hopefully reduces their risk for long-term consequences. But the problem with football is that repeated nature of the injury. Mm-hmm. And are, is a person at greater risk if they get that injury earlier in life, or is it about the same? It's The earlier you are injured, the more potential consequences there are. Mm. are while there's always the argument for plasticity in younger children, uh, the problem is that the younger brain is more susceptible to injury, and it is a time of incredible development, so it's an incredibly active time period, and anything that disrupts that developmental process has a potential for causing people more difficulties in the future because they may or may not be able to acquire the steps that they would have had at that earlier developmental stage. So we don't we don't want to see children getting injured at a younger age. In my practice, anecdotally, I do see that it's the kids who are being injured 9, 10, 11, 12 that are absolutely taking longer to heal. They're having more complex problems. Their headaches are not resolving in a fashion that we, you know, that we would like to see. Um, you see the same pattern in our older athletes. You know, I'm, I'm still talking under the age of 25, but hopefully they haven't had as many injuries beforehand. The problem, again, becomes if you're injured at 9, you're increasing the risk that you're going to suffer another concussion at very close to that age, and the, it's the repeated concussions and as well as the sub-concussive blows that really complicate development and put you at risk for the development of CTE as well as other long-term cognitive problems. Well, uh, Ann Russo, Ph.D. who works in the Neurospecialty Clinic, Orthopedic Specialty Hospital. I know we have to get going. Uh, appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Uh, you too. Uh, Ann Russo will be a part of this uh, panel. And uh, um, we have other members uh, of that panel with us uh, today. We'll uh, talk more about this following a break. Uh, there's a uh, screening of the Frontline Documentary League of Denial uh, tonight at 7 o'clock. Panel discussion follows. That's at the Salt Lake City Main Library. Uh, tonight at 7 o'clock. And as Andrew Russo said, uh, you can go view that documentary yourself online. Just uh, Google in uh, League of Denial or uh, Frontline, and you can find that very interesting if, if you're not able to make the panel discussion and screening tonight. More following break. Did you know that sensory motor learning is innate in humans? Teachers who incorporate movement strategies reach a greater percentage of the learners. Did you know that is made possible by the USU Emma Eccles Jones College of Education and Human Services? More at cehs.usu.edu. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Green Valley Spa and Resort in St. George, offering a poetry salon the fourth Thursday of every month, featuring booked poets, singers, and songwriters. Details at greenvalleyspa.com. And by USU's Anthropology Museum Lecture Series, this Friday, November 1st at 6 p.m. in Old Main, Room 225 presenting cultural anthropologist Dr. Stacy Schaefer from Cal State University, Chico, focusing on the Huichol Indians of Mexico. Information at anthromuseum.usu.edu.
Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're talking about concussion and other brain injuries in contact sports, specifically in high school, younger than that, in college as well. And we're wondering what to do about it to improve player safety in youth sports, high school sports, college sports. There is a screening of the Frontline Documentary League of Denial and a panel discussion associated with that. That's tonight at 7 o'clock, Salt Lake City Main Library. And we have members of that panel uh, on uh, for us as well. Bart Thompson, Assistant Director of Utah High School Activity Associations with us. Kevin Condra with Salt Lake County Health Department Injury Prevention Program Manager. Ron Roscos, Executive Director of the Brain Injury Alliance of Utah. And uh, Representative Paul Ray, Republican from uh, Clearfield, who uh, sponsored a bill on, on this subject a couple of years ago. Uh, you're welcome to join this conversation at 1-800-826-1495. You can join us by email to upraxcess at gmail.com. And you can join us on our Utah Public Radio uh, Facebook page. Let's hear uh, briefly just a, an, another uh, clip from this uh, Frontline documentary. This is Chris Nowitzki. Uh, he is with uh, Harvard's uh, Brain Injury uh, Center. Uh, he was a football player at Harvard. And interestingly, he was. Uh, this is where he got his concussion uh, or concussions. Uh, he was a uh, wrestler with World Wrestling Entertainment. He had the, a character, and uh, and he wrestled there. Uh, but this uh, section, he tells us about playing high school football, what what that was like. It was uh, the the injury that ended it all was was June two thousand three. I just got a kick to the head. I wasn't expecting, uh, meaning that. I knew a kick was coming, but I didn't expect it to be so close, and it really wasn't ready for it. And, uh, you know, it caused me to black out. It caused me to be completely confused. I didn't know. I forgot where we were and what we were doing out there. Um, massive headache immediately. But, of course, we didn't stop the match, finish the match. And then the mistake I made was that I lied about it. I lied about how bad I felt um, every day for five weeks. Um, at one point, a couple weeks in, I was doing so bad. I, I did take some time off. I saw a doctor. Uh, I got. I didn't bounce back within a week, so I started lying because I got bored of sitting at home. I went back, kept getting hit, and kept getting worse. Uh, you know, the the night that I finally decided to stop, it was that morning. I had been acting so strangely that my my in on TV manager tried to get me to stop. And I, and I ignored him, and then when I was driving to the show in Terre Haute, Indiana with our security guard, uh, I guess I kept falling asleep and I wasn't like holding the conversation. He called ahead and told him, don't let, him, don't let me wrestle. So I didn't wrestle that Sunday, and then that night I had my first instance of um, sleepwalking and went to sleep and woke up uh, on the floor of the hotel room um, surrounded by a broken nightstand and lamp and... Uh, and my girlfriend screaming in the corner because uh, she parent told me she'd woken up to me standing on the bed, sweating profusely, trying to climb the wall, and eventually I jumped head first into the wall and went went through the nightstand, and and I was I couldn't believe it because I don't you know didn't remember any of it I wasn't awake, and uh, and I was scared to go back to sleep because I didn't know where I'd, where I'd end up so so I stayed up the rest of the night and it was only like one in the morning, and showed up the next day and was honest, and I said, there's something really wrong with me. And 
I never, the headache didn't go away for five years. And so I, I, you know, for the first 12 months, I knew if I'd gotten better, I would have jumped right back in the ring. But after 12 months, I said, I can't live like this. You say five years? Five years of headaches, three and a half years of sleepwalking that every night I would chase shadows. I would attack things. I would, uh, and I was, and I had to be heavily sedated each time, you know, every night so that I would, uh, uh, so at least when I had these sleep activities, I wouldn't get out of bed as frequently. I wouldn't, I wouldn't run around the apartment like I had before, try to, I'd try to break windows, because I, and I still today wake up constantly thinking I'm choking to death. And uh, that is uh, Chris Nowiski. He's a Harvard football player turned professional wrestler. Now he's with uh, Harvard's uh, Sports Legacy Institute, uh, which is an institute dedicated to research and education around uh, head injuries. Uh, that was uh, his other clip, so I'm glad we heard that one. Um, and um, I want to direct the next question to Bart Thompson, Assistant Director of Utah High School Activity Association. Uh, we're, we're talking about head injuries. We're talking about uh, injuries that perhaps can have lifelong consequences. And so, but I was thinking as we're talking about this about a friend uh, who does rodeo. He's a bull rider. Um, and, uh, just about every year, you know, he had his ribs cracked, he broke his arm, he, you know, and so you ask him, why do you do it? And th- so that gets me into my question. Uh, there are reasons why people, especially young men want to test themselves. It, and, and Ann Russo talked about this, the psychosocial benefits from, from sports. And so it is, it is a balancing act, isn't it? Absolutely. And that's obviously the challenge is to uh, provide the opportunity for the growth, uh, to learn the teamwork, uh, to learn how to you know, set and achieve goals and, and those types of things, to be able to test oneself in, a, in an arena where it's not going to affect the rest of your life, and yet that's the challenge is we're seeing some injuries that could affect you the rest of your life. And so we want, obviously, to reduce those as much as we possibly can, either by rule, by technique, by coaching, by education, and more than likely it's going to be by all of those. Um, uh, Ron Roscoe, so I wonder if you could talk to this as well, that balancing act. Uh, you know, you talk to, you know, somebody like uh, Chris Nowinski, five-year headache, and, and he might have problems later down the line. We've been hearing about some some terrible problems. You've been telling us about some some high school athletes who've changed their life. Uh, how, how do you how do you balance this? You know, it's, it's, it's really kind of sad with some of these individuals. We we get so many calls. Uh, last year, we had over 2,600 calls uh, that came into our office, and there's some real gripping stories like this. And uh, there used to be a statistic out there where there was a, a spouse involved with a brain injury that 80% of them ended up in divorce. And where there was a child under the age of five, it ended up being about 96% ended up in divorce. I think it's a real tough thing to... Uh, to walk through this. Uh, you know, this one individual that I know was 33 years old. Uh, he had suffered a, uh, his was different, it was from a car accident, but uh, he ended up at the age of 33 in a lockdown unit uh, for full-blown Alzheimer's. Uh, the Center for Disease Control has a statistic that uh, 50% of those who have a moderate to severe brain injury will become future Alzheimer's patients. You know, that in itself is, is, is scary. Uh, when you look at uh, what he was talking about, his sleep patterns, you know, that's a part of the brain. That's the, uh, the brain stem that, was, that has damage, and that controls your sleep. It controls your breathing. Uh, there's different parts of the brain, and when we look at, uh, you know, the behavior issues, that's the frontal issue. That's that forehead area, and you get 
football players, they're hitting head on. So that's being banged around. And when we look at our brain, it's made out of a jello yogurt substance and it's banging around in there. So, uh, you know, we, we just got to find ways to, to curb this, but you know, the, the, some of the ones that we talk to, and it's really sad to, to listen to some of their stories. And unfortunately there's not a lot of resources out there to help people with brain injuries. Uh, and we need to do that. We need to uh, find more funding. We need to be able to find resources. We need to find jobs and uh, for these individuals because many of them are not. They're losing their homes. They're losing their families. Mm. And they are losing their jobs. And uh, one of the big things is that social behavior issues that uh, they have. And all of a sudden, you know, their family and their friends just kind of go away and they're, they're left alone. And this is, this is tragic. But uh, it's all but how we uh, how we approach this and hopefully we can find ways and I, I appreciate representative Ray for for stepping up with this this bill that's a start and I think we, we there are things that we still need to do representative Ray um, you've uh, you sponsored this bill there there are now some some rules that have been implemented do you think there's more that needs to be done you know th- there is and this is a moving target as as I mean, just from the time that we've wrote and passed the bill so much information has come out on concussions, uh, you know, to make us more aware of the of the situation. That the problem is a lot bigger than we originally thought it was. Um, you know, I can tell you the Utah Athletic trainers were right on the money when they they came in and said this is a huge problem. You know, and we need to look at at other ways too. You know, we talk about the sport itself, but uh, you know, if, if you look at the number of high schools who don't have an athletic trainer, period. Um, you know, the, I know up here in Davis County, there there are no full-time trainers that work in the schools. Luckily enough, uh, um, Mount Lamp Physical Therapy and a couple of other they donate their time and go stand on the sidelines for the footballs. They help out with the uh, with some of the practices and stuff. So we had to look at trying to find a way to get athletic trainers in every 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 high school. If it has a sports program, it needs to have a trainer so that these kids have access to somebody. I, I coach basketball for a junior high here in Davis County. You know, I, I've got between my seventh, eighth, and ninth grade. I've got 25 players, and unless you know, typically, unless one of them come to me and say, "Hey, I'm having headaches or I'm having this," you may miss something uh, where they maybe they took a hit. And so, it'd be nice to have additional trainers and and just more people around that are trained and understand what's going on. And it sounds like maybe you need to take a look at soccer as well. Yeah, all sports. I mean, soccer is huge. Uh, and my, my both my our daughters have played soccer. My my one played all the way from the time she was about five, and we saw multiple concussions of, of, of a lot of other kids. You know, thank goodness she was one of those that was always scared to hit the ball with her head. So we never had to, to deal too much uh, with with problems. But we, you know, I I've, they called me over one day during a, a state playoff game and said one of their players was, had a brain tumor. And they had, the whole team was crying, and I went over and talked to her, and, and uh, what happened was she had a severe concussion from hitting the ball so much. It had been going on all season to the point that she didn't even know where she was at the time she was playing the game. She couldn't remember her name. She spent almost 12 hours in the emergency room when, when they took her in, and then she was admitted to the hospital for a few days. So, yeah, it, it's something that people don't understand, and, and it's, it's in all sports. I've, I've had basketball players with uh, concussions. I've had baseball and softball players that I coach get concussions, and so it, it runs the gamut. It's more prevalent in soccer and football, but you see it in all sports. Coming down just a couple of minutes left in the program, wanted to uh, go to Kevin Condra again, Salt Lake County Health Department Injury Prevention Program Manager. Um, and there, there was a clip we don't have time to play at this point, but Steve Young, they asked him, uh, would you let your son play, specifically in the NFL? And he pauses a while, and then he said, well, yeah, I'll, I'll let him play quarterback. 
maybe maybe not some of the other positions. Um, but as you go along with 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 your sons, that is that something you're going to be looking at at each step? Very much so. And, you know, it goes back to, to what was mentioned earlier. It's not just putting a policy in place, but it's an ongoing conversation at home, not only between uh, parents and their athletes, whether they be a young individual, 9, 10 years of age, or even a high school. Because when you think about it, the number of these kids that will go on to play college sports of any type, let alone pro, is very minuscule compared to the fun and the teamwork they'll build at those early levels. And so that's a conversation that needs to be to occur with an athlete to say, look, this is the risk inherent with this. If this happens, what will be our decision? And a policy in place is only as good as, for example, we worked after the legislation was passed in 2011 to put a policy in place with our county rec centers for all the different kids that are coming in with the sports here. But as a parent, I have to take some action on my part to explain that to my child and say, if the coach or referee takes you out of the game, this is why. And by the way, mom and dad's backing them up on that. I think that's the part that still really needs to be emphasized and that uh, we get away from this competitive nature that we all experienced when we were a kid. And then unfortunately, too often it's passed on to our own kids. And we really look at the safety of our kids and, and having my son sustained a, a, a a concussion, like I mentioned, and been experiencing that for the last five weeks. If I was remiss and said, well, he's fine, he's ready to go back into the game, then I'm putting him at an inherent risk. And unfortunately, I see that with other teammates and other sports that my boys have participated in. Sometimes they don't know enough about this because, well, I had a head injury or I, I hit my head, but I was fine when I was your age. That's the part that continues to need to be emphasized. And uh, maybe just close going back to my friend, the bull rider. Um, I've noticed uh, watching on television more and more wearing helmets. And so I think that's great. That's wonderful. That's very logical. But then it kind of lessens the experience for me. And, and so maybe that comes back to me and some culture that has to be changed. Um, Ron Roscoe, it's just 30 seconds uh, left. What, what's the message you hope gets out with this panel discussion screening tonight? You know, I hope everybody comes there kind of with an open mind and, and really take it back to their families. You know, it starts in the family. That communication's got to be there, the risk. And I, and I just hope that they know and understand, you know, the, the nature of a brain injury. It doesn't go away. You know, you may have some other thing, you know, the cancer or whatever, which my wife had three times, and, but she was able to have surgery. She was able to have therapies. But when it comes to the brain, you just can't cut out a piece and uh, give it all some therapy and and on your way, because that stays with you forever. Very important topic, and as I mentioned, there's a screening of uh, the Frontline Documentary League of Denial, the NFL's concussion crisis tonight, followed by a panel discussion. That's sponsored by KUD and Brain Injury Alliance of Utah. That's at the Salt Lake City Main Library, 7 o'clock tonight. Bart Thompson, Assistant Director of Utah High School Activities Association, has been with us. Kevin Condra, Salt Lake County Health Department Injury Prevention Program Manager. Ron Roscos, Executive Director of the Brain Injury Alliance of Utah. And Paul Ray, uh, Representative uh, from Clearfield, Utah House of Representatives. Thank you, gentlemen, so much. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, for uh, producers uh, Katie Swain and uh, Bennett Purser, I'm Tom Williams. Join us tomorrow on Halloween for a discussion of the history of Halloween. That's tomorrow on the program. Thanks for listening today. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and the Moab Times Independent Newspaper, a source for instant news, business, ads, and events in Moab and the Four Corners region, serving southeastern Utah communities since 1896. Information is at moabtimes.com. 
and Crumb Brothers Artisan Bread at 300 South and 300 West in Logan, now open Monday through Saturday until 2, with a changing menu of a specialty salad, French breakfast pastries with local seasonal fruits, and lunch sandwiches. Commentator Thad Box. Being children of the Great Depression, Jenny and I are not about to let half-good apples go to waste. Some folks throw out wormy apples in the garbage. I shouldn't be hard on such people. Most cities won't let them keep hogs in their backyards. In 1880, Sanborn Insurance Company map of Logan shows a hog pen where our apple trees are now. But our current neighbors wouldn't appreciate me raising a few shoats to clean up the windfall apples. The smell of apples and cinnamon cooking fills our house these days. Jenny makes apple butter from backyard apples we share with worms. If I spray the trees, we can share apples with neighbors in the food bank. This year, our apples are organic, each with a hopeful worm inside. I bring apples into the kitchen. When the basket fills or the fruit flies swarm, Jenny cuts out the bad parts and makes applesauce. Or apple pies, apple salad, apple muffins, or apple whatever she can imagine. Shredded apples and muesli, apples and zucchini bread, even apples with apples. If there were more people like Jenny, codling moths would become extinct. For lunch, she combined red cabbage from our garden with diced Jonathan apples and red chili. Served with slices of fresh, golden yellow Kellogg's breakfast tomatoes and artisan bread, it was as beautiful to behold as it was delightful to the taste. Dessert was sliced O. Henry peaches, the yellow flesh merging to red toward the center. As I walked up to the radio station this morning, I saw muted brown maples dotting the mountains. The aspen trees hang on to a few golden leaves. The cool fall air and our public lands call to me. There won't be many days like this before the snow comes. Smells, sounds, and sights of autumn are in the air. When I get home, we'll head for the Cache National Forest and walk along the river that brings water to our garden. These precious days will all too soon turn to winter. Indoor tasks will have to wait. This is Thad Box. This is Utah Public Radio, KUSR HD1 89.5 Logan, KUSK HD1 88.5 Vernal, KUSL HD1 89.3 Richfield, KUST HD1 88.7 Moab, and KUSUFM HD1 91.5 Logan.